How many of you have ever had the, the absolute joy of moving? <laughs> Y'all laugh because you know that it's no joy at all. <laughs> Man, I, I swear I hope I have never have to pack another box. Lord, please don't call me to another place. I do not want to have to pack another box. Uh, but if I do, then I'll try to do it with a smile on my face. Um, moving, man, that's tough. Uh, it is tough stuff. To, that process of moving is, is tedious and long and sometimes, you know, man, just causes stress, all that other stuff. And, and, uh, and, and yet, then you get to the destination and you start to move in and, and uh, you know, you realize, man, you know, that color doesn't work for us and we need to, you know, paint that wall or, you know, we got to go at doing this thing and we need to get this thing and that stuff and whatever and we you know we start to do that and we start to move in and we unpack and we you know do all those different things that that make a a house a home or an apartment a home or whatever a tent a home and uh and so we we start to do that sometimes it's it's a lot of work uh to to even paint um especially when the people before you um had put up wallpaper and 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 when i say put up wallpaper i mean they put up wallpaper uh, that does not want to come down. Anyone ever had that issue? Uh, yeah, oh my goodness, it is work. Um, and uh, I ripped through those those tiger claw things. Like I, I'm doing the tiger claw thing, and uh, and broke it like three times. I'm like, man, I must be pushing too hard or something. Um, I think I was just excited about getting it off the wall. And uh, anyway, you get it all done though. And when it, when it gets to the end of that, and you got your stuff all moved in, and you're looking at the pretty walls and stuff, and you're like. It makes it all worth it. And, and it's like, wow, this is, this is, this is home. You know, I think, I, I think it's so much similar in our spiritual walk. The, the process, the journey, the marathon, we said, we said, like we said, this is not a sprint. This is a marathon. It's a journey for us that's got ups and downs, twists and turns. It's got all kinds of stuff in it that, that's hard sometimes to process. It's hard sometimes to go through it. But, but when we let God, and we've talked about this, our soul being God's home, when we let God take up residence in our soul, we let, we let God move into our soul, and he begins to rearrange the home of our soul, and he begins to paint the walls of our soul. Sometimes there is some work that's involved in, in getting the, the right paint up and doing the things that God wants to do inside our soul, and, 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 and sometimes we don't even understand it completely. We might look at that wall and go, God, I'm not sure I like that color, but okay, I'm going to say yes to you. Um, and God, I'm not sure about where you got that recliner in my soul, but okay, I'm, I'm going to say yes to you. I don't, I don't fully get it, but I'm going to say yes to you. Oh, wait, you want to go into a, that room? That, that closet? Oh, okay, God. Uh, warning you, there's some stuff in there. And yet he goes in lovingly, kindly, gently, and starts to remove it. And the beauty of, of letting God do that is that as we let God move in and take ownership in our soul, take residence in our soul, the beauty that comes with that. Remember what we talked about uh, of a moving truck, and he backs up his moving truck, and he starts to unload all the amazing things that God offers to us and has done for us, and he starts to put that stuff in and we sit back and we enjoy and we take in and we we do what God 
allows us to do, and the beauty of that is incredible. When God takes up residence in our soul. So this question of how's your soul, it's a question that honestly only in the last few months have I been asked it, and I don't even know that I've ever been asked it before in my life, but at at first, I did not know how to answer that question. And maybe that's where you're at today. You're going, I just don't even know how to begin to answer how's your soul, because maybe you're at a place where you feel lost, you feel empty, you feel alone, you feel hollow, you feel discouraged, defeated, feel like a failure. I get that. Get that. Again, as we evaluate, one of the questions we need to ask is, is God at home in my soul? Have I let him in? Have I let him take up residence in my soul? And then the question that we looked at, I believe it was last week, why does it matter? Why does it matter if God's at home in our soul? Proverbs 4.23 was one of the verses that we looked at. Keep your heart, your soul, with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Another way to say that is, from it flows every decision that you make. The condition of your soul matters because every decision you make flows out of it. And so here's, here's a statement that has been whopping me upside my head. Is this, it's better to deal with the condition of your soul before the condition of your soul deals with you. And it will. It will. Because out of your soul flows all the springs of your life. Out of your soul flows every decision that you make and it will catch up to you. And so it matters. It matters because it matters to God. He cares deeply for you. He's promised to give you life and to give it to you abundantly. He's promised so many things, but if you don't know that, if you don't have a relationship with him, if you've never let God into your soul, you don't know all that God wants to unpack into your life into the home of him, into your soul. So are you letting God fill your soul? Are you letting God fill your soul? Because here's the deal. Either you're trying to fill your soul from the outside in, or you've surrendered your soul to God, and God is filling you from the inside out. It's either or. There's no in-between It's either or in our lives, and the beauty of God is Psalm 107, verses 8 and 9. I I love this. It's coming up here on the screen. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Look at this. He satisfies the longing soul. So the question I have to ask myself is, is my soul longing for him? He satisfies my longing soul. Not only does that, he, he also, with my hungry soul, fills it with good things. 
Every single human being on this planet has a hungry soul that they're trying to feed, that they're trying to fill, and the only thing that can truly fill your soul is God. The only thing that can truly give you satisfaction in your life is God. Now, the world will tell you some, a completely different story. The world will tell you a, a completely different set of what happens if you do this, that, or the other thing. But God makes it abundantly clear. If you have a longing soul, he'll satisfy it. If you have a hungry soul, he'll fill it with good things. So the question that I want us to dive into over the next several weeks is, what are those good things? Because, because here's our tendency. I talked about this last week. Here's our tendency. We like to define that. We, we like to say, oh, this is what's good. And then when that good doesn't happen, then we go, God, you're not loving. God, you're not, you don't have my best in mind. This is what I wanted. This is how I wanted it. That's not letting God take up residence in your soul and arrange it the way he wants to arrange it. Let him paint the walls. He's going to let you decide that. He, he gives us a free will in which he says, okay, you can, you can decide what you want to do, but I'm telling you, I want to move in and I will satisfy your longing soul and I will feed your hungry soul good things. And the question is, is do I really believe that the good things that God wants to feed my soul are actually good and actually are, do I believe that they are the best things for my life? See, and our, our problem is so often we, we want to elevate our understanding above God, above trusting God, and it doesn't work that way. At least, at, least, at least I speak for myself. Whenever I elevate my own understanding above trusting God, the Bible says, trust the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. So when I lean, when I put my own understanding above trusting God, I don't know about you, but I know for me, it never works out well. Oh, it may for a little bit. It may for a little bit, but it never works out well. And so what are these good things? So five things that we're going to look at over the next several weeks. Number one is redemption. Number two is rest. You're like, dude, you're saying these really fast. I don't, I don't have them up there. you got to come back next week and then the next week. And if you can't, watch it online. Watch it on demand. I'm ser- like I said, I told you before, this is not just a one-off message. This is a, this is a marathon. This is a journey. And so if you haven't seen, if you haven't seen the previous messages that I've, that I've been sharing, I encourage you to go back and watch them. Um, and uh, again, redemption, that's one of the gifts. Rest is one of the gifts. Restraint is one of the gifts. Responsibility is one of the good gifts that God gives us. And then the last is relationships. Relationships. So let's look at the first because I believe it's the most important. I believe, honestly, if you don't get this, you're going to have a really hard time with the other four. Actually, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely confident that if you don't get this, the other four, you won't get it all. Oh, you'll try. You, you'll try to rest. You'll try to restrain. You'll try to have some kind of responsibility. You'll try relationships, but you will not get it like God wants you to get it if you do not get this first one. Redemption. John 3.16. Some of y'all know this verse, know it well. God so loved the world 
that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. What is redemption? Redemption is that God so loves you. God so loves me. God so loves every human being that has ever walked on this planet, ever will walk on this planet, every human being who has ever come into being, whether they've ever walked on this planet or not, God loves the world so much, he sent his son. Who's his son? Jesus. Redemption is about a redeemer, and the redeemer, his name is Jesus. And Jesus redeems, he purchases you back, he makes a payment on your behalf, he redeems you, he longs to be in relationship with you. God so loves you, he sent his son. That if you would believe in him, you will not perish, but will have everlasting life. If for no other reason, if we were just to stop there today, that would be reason enough because God has redeemed you. He paid the penalty for your sin that you will not ever be able to pay. You will never do enough good to outweigh the bad in your life. And that bad is sin. And that sin is against God and God alone. And what you need to understand is, is you'll never be able to pay that. All have sinned. All come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. But I'm so glad God does not stop with that first half. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's redemption. Redemption is, is that I once was in darkness, now I'm in light. I once was a child of death, now I'm a child of life. Not because of me, but because of what Jesus has done. Not because of what I do, but because of what Jesus has done. And in and, and redemption, if you get nothing else, what you need to understand is, in order to get the full package of what God wants to give to you, in order for God to really be at home in your soul, it is a matter of whether or not you put your faith and trust in Jesus and in him alone. The Bible makes it clear there is no other way to the Father except through Jesus Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus It is not about church attendance. It is not about baptism. It is not about religion. It is not about all these do's and don'ts. It is about a relationship, and that relationship is with Jesus and Jesus alone. And if you do not have that, my friend, you have not yet been redeemed. And and, and my friend, you are sitting back wasting a potential gift that God is saying, here you go. And when you take a gift, the beauty of Getting a gift, all of it, I don't know anybody, I've never met a single soul who's like, I hate gifts. Man, don't give me no gifts, I don't want gifts, I hate gifts. No, I don't know anybody like that. Most of us are like, oh, gifts, I love them. Bring them to me, I love, give me some gifts. We love gifts. Man, if you don't know that, go around some kids for a little bit. They love giving gifts. They love getting gifts. And here's the thing. What's hilarious to me is, is that you give them the gift and they play with the box. At least they do something with the gift. 
That's the point. Jesus is offering to you, what did I say? The wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He offers to you redemption. It's a gift that you take and you start to open up. And the beauty of it is, is when you get Jesus, you don't get part of Jesus. You get all of Jesus and everything that comes along with Jesus. Everything. Every single thing that God has to offer you, you get as a part of putting your faith and trust in Jesus. When you are redeemed, you get all of Jesus. All of them. Every single aspect of them. So, oh well, we're going, we might go long. You're just gonna have to live with that. Second Timothy, or Second Peter chapter one, if you would, turn there, scroll there, whatever you gotta do to get there, get there. Second Peter chapter one. I just wanna show you that when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, like I said, if, if, we, if nothing else, we do not perish, we have everlasting life, that's enough. But, but, but that's not all. You get all of Jesus and everything that goes along with him. And, and what you need to understand is, again, I am not going to define every single one of these things I'm going to talk about. Why? Because I believe that part of the process, part of the journey, part of the the, the adventure is that you dive into the word of God and you, my friend, find out what is God saying these things mean. I, I mean, yeah, I could stand up here and tell you all that stuff, but if you're not checking it out in the word of God, you have missed the point. Spending time with God, the Holy Spirit of God will be your teacher. He will be the one that, that convicts you. He'll be the one that guides you. So Second Peter chapter 1, check this out, verse 3. His divine power, his divine power, has granted to us, check it out, all things that pertain to life and godliness. He's giving you all things that pertain to life and godliness. You have everything you need to live and to be godly in that living. Everything you need. How? Through the knowledge of, of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. This world is decaying, this world is dying. This world is on a fast track to death and darkness. And if you don't believe me, open up your eyes and look around. And, and, and guess what? The beauty of knowing Jesus is you get to escape that. Now that does not mean that it's gonna, that everything here on this earth is gonna radically transform all of the circumstances of your life. I said that earlier. That doesn't, that's not what I'm talking about. But, but one day, you are going to escape this old world, and the beauty is, one day, we will be with him for eternity, and that day may be sooner than you think. So, you get everything you need that pertains to life and godliness, all right? So, what are some of those things? Check out verse 5. Because of all these things, because you have this divine power, because... Because that divine power is giving you everything you need for life and for godliness through the knowledge of him... For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, virtue with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control, steadfastness, steadfastness, godliness, godliness, brotherly love, brotherly love with love. 
Now, again, I could go through and list all those and give you all kinds of definitions about all those, but I'm not. Your homework assignment, get into the Word of God yourself and find out what God says about each one of those. And guess what? He says a lot about all of them. And the beauty is, is, is when, once you do that, check this out, verse 8, for if these qualities, what's he talking about? He's talking about your identity. He's talking about who you are. He's talking about who I am in Christ. These qualities, who I am in Christ, my being, who I am, my being in relationship with him, not about my doing. Someone could read this verse and be this passage and you go, oh, well, that's to do, that's to do, that's to do, that's to do. No, this is about that's to be, that's to be, that's to be, that's to be, that's to be. These are to be in your life in an increasing measure. How does that happen? It happens as you're in relationship with God, as you're spending time with God. God will increase these things in your life. And yes, they will be demonstrated outwardly. You can't help but as you're spending time with Jesus, falling in love with Jesus, loving other people. It just oozes out of you. Even even the people that drive you bananas. That's why Jesus said, some of you have heard, some of you have heard, love, but hate your enemy. I say to you, love your enemy and pray for those. Why could Jesus say that? Because he actually did it. Those people that drove him bananas. Those people that pushed all of his buttons, he loved them. And the more you get closer to Jesus, the more Jesus' love will pour out of you into the lives of others. The problem is, problem is verse 9. Whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he is cleansed from his former sins. What happens is God, in his sovereignty, God in his grace and in his mercy, he allows us to choose not because I have to, but because I get to. And the problem is, is that in life, because we still struggle with sin on a daily basis, get-tos can turn into have-tos really quick. Ministry, serving Jesus, can become a have-to instead of a a get-to. And so in verse 9, and I get that fully now, more so now than I ever have, Because that verse describes exactly what I was going through for the last several months. Notice what he says. Whoever lacks these is nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sin. What was happening? What's happening in my life was simply this. I was so busy doing so busy being about doing the things of God that I was neglecting these being parts. Being in relationship with him, being in in communion with God day in and day out. And what was happening is, and it's a slow fade, often in our lives, it doesn't happen quickly, it happens over time. And I can tell you, 2020, 2021, 2022, it was a slow fade for me till I got to the place where I felt like there was a blanket over my head and I could not see the glory of God around me. 
And it wasn't anybody else's fault. I want, and I'll be honest, when I first was diving into this, my, my natural reaction was to blame everybody else. It's that person and what they said to me. It's that person and the way they treated me. It's that person and the choices that they made. And, and what I became aware of was that it is not them at all. It is me choosing to move away from God. And I was doing it little by little, day by day, till it got to a point where I was done. And what I wanted to do was I wanted to give up. I wanted to quit. I wanted to throw in the towel. And I wanted to walk away from it all. And I'm sitting there with, this, with my spiritual advisor, counselor, whatever you want to call him, and he says to me, he says, Jason, what it sounds like to me is you're trying really, really hard to get something that you already have. You're trying really, really hard to get something that is already yours. And then he said this statement, he said, Jason, who you be is more important than what you do. Who you be is more important than what you do. Who you are is more important than what you do. So who are you? Who are you? Because what I felt was that I was a failure. That I was a disappointment. That I would never measure up. That I would never have the ability to do what God was calling me to do. I felt like, I felt miserable, hollow, empty. I felt like I couldn't do anything for God. I felt like literally a failure every single day. Why? Because, because check this out, every day, every day for a year, at least a year, every single morning I woke up the very first thing on my mind was names of people sitting right here in this congregation, my kids' names, my wife's name, my family's name, going through my mind, and then immediately as I would think about them, the word failure, 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 failure came to mind every single time. And that was my daily routine every single day for a year. And if you don't think that will weigh on you, I've got news for you. But it wasn't, it wasn't anybody else's fault. It wasn't God's fault. It, wasn't, it was mine. I was letting Satan blind me to the glory of the living God. I was letting him do that. 2 Corinthians 4.4, if you look it up, I'm not going to tell you about it now, but right now, you look it up sometime, write it down, 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, it says that Satan blinds the eyes of those who do not believe, and he causes them not to see the glory of Christ. I, I'm, I, I'm absolutely, I absolutely believe that statement is true, but I also believe that he does the same thing in us as believers. He comes after us. Why? He hates your guts. He, 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 he despises you. So he'll get you to think and believe and, and look at everywhere else except for God to find your identity, to find who you are. And that's exactly what I was doing. I was looking everywhere else. I was looking to what I was doing instead of who I be, and, and it was causing me to get to a place where I was, as verse 9 says, blind. And check this out, having forgotten who I really was in Christ. That's what he means by that, forgotten that he had been cleansed from his former sins. I, I am not what I choose on my worst day. I am not what I did some years ago. 
I am not the music that I listened to some years ago. I am not those words that came out of my mouth some years ago or even some days ago. That is not who I am. That's what Satan wants you to believe. That's what Satan wants you to think. He wants you to think that if there's somebody out there that can explain to you whatever it is that you're looking for, that that's the answer. God is saying, no, I am the answer. You need to turn to me for who you are. Because what I say is the truest thing about who you are. Well, why does he say, why do I know that? Because he's my creator. He's your creator. And, and here's the thing, if you think that doing is something that you've got to have in line in order to be accepted by God, to be well-pleasing to God, listen to what Matthew chapter 3, verse 17 says. This is God speaking about Jesus. before. And listen, what's amazing about this verse is, is that this comes before Jesus in his humanity has done anything for the name of God that we have recorded. He hasn't done a miracle yet. He hasn't called his disciples yet. None of that stuff has happened. Jesus is being baptized by John, and a voice from heaven says this thing. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. He had not done in his flesh anything yet for the kingdom of God. And yet God, God says, I'm pleased with him. Why? Because he's his beloved son. Not, not because of what he was about to do, not because of what he would do, but because he is his beloved son, my friend. Men, you, if you know Jesus, you are a son of the most high God. Ladies, you are a daughter of the king of kings. And you know what the Bible says in Psalms? The Bible says he is enthralled with your beauty, ladies. That, that's God speaking directly to you as a lady. He is enthralled with your beauty. Why do you need to listen to what the world says about who you are, about what you are? No, that is a straight lie from the devil himself trying to get you to no longer look to God, but look to yourself. And my friend, all it's going to do is lead to your destruction. And that's not what God wants. That's not what God longs for. God has not called you to be slave. God has called you to be free. And so as I, as I was thinking about that and, 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 and Ron was talking to me, he shared with me this card. It's coming up on the screen, and you can write it down if you want. We'll be talking more about it in the future. But on the top of it, it says, my identity in Christ. And it says these things. Because, because of Christ's redemption, I am a new creation of great worth. Do you believe that? Because of Christ's redemption, I am a... I am a new creation of great worth. I am deeply loved. Because of Christ, I am deeply loved. I am completely forgiven. I am completely forgiven. I am fully pleasing to God. I am fully pleasing to God. I am totally accepted by God. And I am absolutely complete in Christ.
These are just a few of the many things that you get when you put your faith and trust in Jesus. And my friend, that is who I am. If you're in Christ, that is who you are. Not what the world says. Not what, not what somebody else says. Not what a family member says. Not what, not what your friends say. No, no, no. You are what Christ says about you. The question is, do I believe it? The question is, is what he says enough? I don't know your heart, and I don't need to. God does. But I imagine that if you're here today, and you're absolutely sick and tired of trying to measure up to everybody else's standards, everybody else's whatevers. That if you're just here today and you're going, you know, I don't even know who I am. Or maybe you're here today and you're, you're like me. You, you literally think that you're a failure. You literally think that you have no worth. You literally think that you're no good. You literally feel like you cannot please anybody. I'm just going to ask you a question because I've been asking it myself. Where is that feeling? Where are those ideas coming from? Because here's the thing. Here's what I know about God. He will never say or lead you to do something that runs contrary to his word. Never. Never. Would you just close your eyes, bow your head? Just a second, we're going to sing a song, one of my favorites. It's actually on a, something that I did that, that has helped me. And again, I'm not telling you this so that you'd go out and do it. I don't know if it would help you or not, but I love music. I can't sing, but I love music. I try to sing. It's scary at times, but... What I did was I created, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of you are like, what? What is that? Uh, I created an identity playlist. And this song, Who You Say I Am, is, is, is at the top. And if you want, I, I'd be more than happy to share you the, my identity playlist with you sometime. But um, they're all songs that speak. God is used to speak his word into my life and remind me this is who I am 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 this is who Christ says I am I don't know where you're at in that I don't know I don't need to I'm not your judge I'm not your jury I'm not your whatever I'm, I'm just a guy who struggles just like you and I can't change you I can't save you I can't do anything to make you, whatever, only God can do that. And I'm just trying to figure that out myself, walking that every day. So as we sing this song, you know the need. And if you don't, ask God, he'll show you. But I know he wants to transform your life. I'll be here at the front pew if you want someone to pray with. I'd be glad to pray with you. But let's stand, let's sing this song.